morning. We're going to ask the children to remain during my... Why, is, why, why are they just remaining for my message? Aren't the other ones important? <laughs> I can keep their attention. Well, all right. Well, um, I'd like to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And I'm going to kind of keep my eye on the clock. They told me I've only got 15 minutes this morning. So I have to jam 35 years worth of fiduciary duty in 15 minutes. So good luck with that. Matthew chapter 6, very, very familiar verses, verses 19, 20, and 21. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through or break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we understand this morning your treasure principles, we pray that this would be a treasure-principled church. And that each one of us will understand the importance of ownership and where it rusts. And what our responsibilities are, Father, with regard to what you've entitled us and entrusted us with. And so, Father, uh, may this be a joyous time. May this be a wondrous time, a, a time where we could talk about finances and resources in terms of worship, worshiping you and giving back because of, we appreciate and we have so much gratitude for what you did. And it's in Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. Well, if you haven't already surmised, we're, we're going to talk about finances this morning. And um, this is going to be kind of like Finance Sunday. Is Okay. And uh, I was kind of mentioning this to my mom the other day, and, and uh, she said, well, you know, are you going to have like the non-members or visitors kind of exit the back? And this is just for church family. And I go, no, this is really for everybody to include visitors, too. We want them to understand uh, to what level we hold fiduciary or stewardship responsibilities. It's important for you to know. Now, I've been in the financial services industry giving financial advice and doing investment management for 35 years. And it is a wonderful industry. It is wonderful. It's exciting. Um, one of the benefits I have of being in, in the business as long as I, I have been is I, I get to see the people that I worked with 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 years ago now coming to um, retirement. And because we were able to prepare them adequately, and we are fiduciaries to them, okay, representing them, we see them now enjoying the, the money that they sent on ahead for their future. And use that, I'm going to use that term a couple times this morning, send it on ahead. In fact, uh, I guess in the bulletin it says it's the treasure principle message, but really I want to call it the sending it on ahead message this morning. But you know, my business is not always a bowl of, of cherries, and, and it's diff been difficult at times. And, um, you know, when markets don't go exactly the way you want it to go, uh, you got to, you know, you got to deal with emotions sometimes. But, you know, if you lay the groundwork properly as, a, as an investment advisor and you had to do the right job up front, showing the clients why they need to defer gratification and they need to send that money on ahead for their future and prepare those clients for the choppy waters that come around, you're likely to see success long-term, and we have. Now, the subject of money in the church can also be an emotional topic. 
and it's often viewed as kind of the elephant in the room. Now, what do I mean by the elephant in the room? What's, what's an elephant in the room look like, Darren? It's pretty big, right? But nobody wants to say anything about it. You know, and, and so we've not a, done a very good, we've not done an adequate job preparing the church to anticipate hard times and oppositions, oppositions when the enemy comes along, you know, or when people get in trouble financially, you know, we're kind of remiss to know what to say uh, when they're under financial bondage. And so by and large, you know, it's kind of a, you know, we have, we have prayer warriors in the church, but we don't have financial warriors or giving warriors. Isn't that kind of interesting? But it, it kind of goes on like an unspoken request. In fact, the, the term stewardship is just kind of a code word for personal giving. It's a code word. Stewardship. What do we mean by stewardship? Giving of money. And it's often spoken only during times when, uh, when we want to raise funds for special events like building projects, missions, and, or even addressing some kind of crisis that, uh, that can no longer be ignored. Let me give you an example of how extreme some churches are with regard to this whole topic. I have um, a friend that goes to a, a well-known church here in town. I'm not going to mention the name of the church, but she was telling me she was listening to a service, uh, a sermon that her pastor was preaching on giving. And it sounded like a pretty good message until it got to the end. And here's what the pastor, how the pastor, pastor closed the, the message. He says, he challenged his people. He told them this. He says, Test the Lord by giving what you should to see if he will do something significant in your life over the next 90 days. Now, what does that sound like? It's kind of, okay, kind of throwing out a fleece in a sense, kind of a Malachi 3.10 passage, right? But this is what he followed it up with. He said this, he says, and if he doesn't do something miraculous for you at the end, we will refund your contribution. No questions asked. Wow, God is in the 100% money-back guarantee business during your lifetime. I feel like I'm in a religious Ginsu you know, commercial. I mean, I, I can't believe what some guys will do to try to squeak the last dime out of their flock, to try to manipulate. Well, we don't have to manipulate because the Word of God speaks volumes about giving and tithing and stewardship and a lot of these other things. And so we want to, we want to talk about these things. You know, it's... One of the things that, and Steve kind of emphasized the point again to me this morning, that, that really giving, stewardship, management of money, even what Ray is going to talk about up here in the overhead, is part of our worship experience. And I want you to prepare your heart to receive those numbers. And you go, oh, Phil, those are really boring. Why do I need to look at the numbers? Because it's part of our responsibility in worship. Now, for the next few minutes, we're going to go ahead and uh, examine... The, Ch- the Treasure Principle. How many of you have ever read this book by Randy Alcorn, The Treasure Principle? Can I see a show of hands? Wonderful. I thought I'd just have to cut out the message because everybody read the book. They're all familiar with it. Well, <clears throat> we have a present for you this morning. It, it the, on the table in the back outside in the narthex, we've got a book, one book per family. We've invested in this book for you so that you can learn all the principles of The Treasure Principle that Randy Alcorn talks about. I'm only going to really touch on three of the six principles. So if you want to find out what the other ones are, Becca, you've got to go get the book. Okay? It's exciting. It really is. I couldn't put it down when I picked it up the other day. But <clears throat> the main theme of the, the treasure principle is that you can't take it with you, 
but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you when you die, but you can send it on ahead. What does that mean? Well, earthly wealth is temporal, but it can be transferred into heavenly wealth for you, which is eternal. Now, Jesus and money, you know, it's, it's kind of an um, interesting topic. In the New Testament, Jesus' recorded words deal with finances, stewardship, giving, uh, management of money 15% of the time. In fact, he talks about stewardship concepts more than he talks about heaven and hell, which is very interesting. And, and you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it so important for Jesus to talk about resources, finances, and management of money? Well, because, quite frankly, there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual condition and how we handle money. There's a fundamental connection between your spiritual condition and how you handle money. And I'm pointing at myself as well. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. Now, before I go there, though, one of the things we have to understand is that Jesus did set the example. And uh, he was able to discern the hearts and motives of, of people around him based on how they responded toward money and wealth. But the important thing is, so can we. We can as well. Here's two examples. Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. You're familiar with that story. Zacchaeus, of course, was converted by Jesus. He was a tax collector, very greedy man, a scoundrel in his time in his society. And, and uh, he's having a discourse with Jesus in his household. And he says this, Lord, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. And it says in verse 9, Jesus responded by saying, Today salvation has come to this household. Now the question is, did Jesus or did salvation come to Zacchaeus because he gave? Now I think you'd find a lot of liberal theologians would say, Well, he, he was saved because he gave. You see, he was, he was saved by his works. Was that true? No. No, Zacchaeus was saved and through the outpouring of his heart, the outpouring of gratitude in his heart, he reflected joy over his salvation. And then he went to be, make restitution. And one of the things I would, I would kind of encourage you all to think about is with new Christians or Christians that are struggling, you know, find out uh, if there's any restitution that needs to be made in a person's life. Now, I'm talking about offenses that a person has had with another person in past times. I, I find that people that are truly uh, repentant will go and, and make restitution with those they've offended. Now, contrast that to the story of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, where his love of money and possessions remained his spiritual death sentence to him. And so we see a contrast, but Jesus was able to discern the hearts and motives of people when he confronted them about their resources and about their their money. Well, if we look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 again for a moment, we make two observations I want to I kind of point out to you here that I've made. Uh, Jesus uses the imperative here. He says, set up treasures for yourself in heaven. He says, send it on ahead. It's imperative. It's a command. Set up treasures for yourself in heaven, not on earth. He says, do it. It's a commandment. It's my instructions to you. But here's the interesting thing about it. It's in our best interest to do this. 
It's in our best interest to do this. Because he will promise a reward if we do, and it's a reward of obedience. And you say, well, gosh, you know, isn't that sucking, uh, seeking self-interest? And, and I would submit, yes, it is. Yes, we are told to seek self-interest. In fact, God created us for self-interest. He wants us to enjoy the benefit of our hard work and our reward. Now, how is that different from selfishness? Well, selfish people seek opportunities at the expense of other people. Okay, and that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Well, let's talk about the treasure principles. Now, I want I wanted to say this about the treasure principles. There's three I'm going to go over. But the examples I'm, I'm using here are not in the book. They're my personal examples. So if you take issue with the examples, don't condemn Elkhorn for it, okay? <laughs> take issue with me. But I just kind of put this in my own words. But the first treasure principle is this. God owns everything, and we are just managers. God owns everything, and we are just managers. And there's plenty of verses that we can find in the Scripture that talks about this. Psalm 24.1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and those who dwell therein. We are just merely managers. We're not owners of the property. We're fiduciaries, and fiduciary is another term for stewards. The steward is the one who acts on behalf of the owner. Now, if you think about it, this is a very liberating concept. If I don't have to decide what to do with the resources and decide how much to give and how much to keep, but I'm just following instructions of my owner, it's very liberating. Let me give you an example of how this works. Let's say that you're saving money for a car. And who was it? Was it Kendra that's saving money for a car? How many of you kids are saving money for a car? Oh, Kendra is, and all right, Hannah, a few other, yeah, Colin, and okay, Andrew. All right, all these people, these kids are, oh, all right. So we, we've identified, okay, Judy is saving money for a car too. <laughs> Hey, that's good. So let's say that you've got $20,000 saved at the local bank and you go down to the bank and you say, all right, it's time for me to take that money out to buy that car. I've saved hard, worked hard, put that money away. Mom and dad told me to save and and I did. And you go up to the bank teller and and the bank teller says, well, uh, before you you take this money out, Kendra, you got to tell me what it's for. And if I don't agree with what it's for, I'm not going to give you any of your money. How much do you want, Kendra? Twenty thousand. Well, I'm going to give you five thousand dollars. That's crazy. Who would bank with a bank like that? No hands go up. Good. <laughs> no. Okay. One of the things that you have to understand is that we often, as Christians, handle God's money that way. We're like the bank teller, and in fact, that's kind of the position I want you to be in. I want you to be. Position yourself as the bank teller and God comes to your bank and says, I want this much money or I want this much money, whatever amount of money he wants from the bank. It's your job as the teller not to ask any questions, not to contradict what he wants to do, but to allow for the transfer. In fact, he may ask you to transfer those funds from one bank to another bank. The purpose of the teller, the job of the teller is to send that money where God directs. In this case, transferring our earthly wealth into heavenly wealth through giving, through giving. And so one of the wonderful things about this being a freeing concept is that if, if you're just merely the teller, you don't have to quibble or decide which is yours and which is not. I had a Christian friend of mine the other day. We were talking about stewardship concepts. And he says, Phil, God only requires me to give 10% and I can live on the other 
as if to say the other 90% is mine. I had news for him. No, it's all God's. It's all God's. 100% of it is the Lord's. And so, if you understand that you're merely the teller and the message comes to you to give, we don't have to really struggle with whether we're going to tithe or whether we're going to do grace giving. We don't have to struggle with whether it's going to go to a pair, a church organization or to the church. We don't have to struggle whether we give off the gross or off the net. We don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff, do we? But here's the bigger issue that we have to be concerned about. Let me ask you this question. What if God decided to withdraw, to withdraw all of his money from your bank? Every dime of it. Now, that happened to Randy Elkhorn. Randy Elkhorn lost everything, plus he was levied a fine by the court for $8 million. That's how this book was written, based on those principles. You say, gosh, Lord wouldn't do that. Lord, don't do that. Don't take all my money. Don't ask me to give up my 401k. Don't ask me to go ahead and take that bonus that I got from the from the boss this year and give it to the church. Don't do that. We're counting on that money. We're counting on that resource to do whatever. Here's the next treasure, treasure principle. Heaven, not earth, is my home. Heaven, not earth, is my home. Hebrews 11.3 says that we're pilgrims, we're aliens, we're strangers, and we're only here for a short period of time. We're kind of like nomads out there. We're Abraham wandering around in the wilderness. That's the, that's the idea here. Not only that, but 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we're also called ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. We represent the king and country that sent us. Now, what if an ambassador decided that he wanted to abdicate from, from that position. He loved his new friends in a new country. He loved his new privileges. He loved his new pay and the fame that he's getting uh, temporarily from this country that he leaves. What do you think his king would say about him? He's a deserter. He's treasonous. He's abandoned his country. Well... This is a black mark on us because one of the things that we have to understand is that we're just sojourners in this, in this world. We're just, first of all, tellers, but we're only going to be here for a short period of time, so we have to be dutiful about our teller responsibilities. But here's the other thing we have to understand. We're just living in small hotels, driving rented cars, and we're only here on temporary work visas. Think about it that way. Small, that's, your house is just a small hotel, Darren. You're just kind of here temporarily. We're driving rented cars. Do you own that car? No, God owns that car. You're renting it from him, so to speak. Final treasure principle. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but my standard of giving. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but my standard of giving. Now, I will confess to you that this is a hard principle for me to really follow. And, uh, you know, as, as we went along, we got pay raises. We had our, our income increased, um, made more money. Yes, my giving increased, but so did my stuff. You know, Karen and I would talk about, you know, how much we're going to give to the Lord this year. You know, and I, and I kind of put it at a certain level and kind of cut it off at a certain level because, you know, we had all this stuff over here that we had accumulated we were actually raising our standard of living. But the treasure principle is to raise our standard of giving. That's so important. 
So what happens if God increases your income through pay raises, bonuses, promotions? Or here's a good one, an inheritance. Some of you are going to get inheritances down the road. My children aren't going to get any inheritance from me, but, but I know you probably will. Uh, well, turn with me, if you will, for, uh, for a moment to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to ask the question, why does God promote us and give us pay increases? And what's his purpose behind doing so? And Paul is speaking to the, the Corinthians here in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 through 11, I believe. I've got to hold the book up here so I can read it. And he says this, He who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, God's going to go ahead and increase your bounty. He's going to go ahead and provide you the pay raises you need. He's going to go ahead and provide you with the promotions. When you get one, not everybody's going to get one, but when you get one, it's God who provides that. But why does he do it? Why does he do it? What's the purpose behind it? It says you'll be enriched in every way to be What's the next word? Generous. If you're using the ESV, it's generous to be generous in every way. Why? Why be generous? Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see, God wants us to give him thanks. So he makes us prosper. He's generous with us so we can be generous with other people. Why do some people make $500,000 a year and a million dollars a year and other people make $10,000, dollars $20,000? In the church, I believe it's because it's those that have the abundance could give to those who have the need. But they're both blessed. And God is glorified in the process. That's a very important principle. Well, I'm running out of time here, so I need to conclude. But one of the things that we have to understand, among other things, is that the Scripture is clear that we give cheerfully. That we give generously. That we give joyfully. And quite frankly... Be careful of those preachers that would guilt you into giving. Be careful. There's a lot of them out there. We do so because of our gratitude for what the Lord Jesus has done for us. As I said, there's three other treasure principles out there in the back. So, head of the family, just grab one of those books. We're presenting it to you as a gift today. And as I mentioned, Ray's going to come up here shortly. And he's going to talk about the resources that God has been so generous to give to us and how we want to give back to him. So I want you to be mindful that it is part of our worship service. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge that we haven't been the stewards of your resources that you want us to be and that we need to be. And Father, I think of the words of Jim Elliott that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so, Father, I ask you to Bless Ray as he comes up here. Thank you for his diligence, Father, in handling the resources. Father, we want to send this money on ahead to you. May may we be aware of, of areas in our lives where we can trim back, where we can cut back, where we can live on so much, Father, and be satisfied in you and the abundance that you've given over and above sent on ahead for that heavenly reward that will never rust or wear out. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've spent together. And it's in Jesus' name I give you praise and honor. Amen. Well, good morning. And uh, 
Thank you, Phil, for your talk with the Treasure Principle. Um, look forward to reading that book myself, actually. I know I've skimmed it before, but I haven't actually read it all the way through. And uh, so, Phil, I think you're definitely deserving of the, um, the raise that you asked for and that we've given you this year. Uh, uh, to start all along that line, this is, this is how much we used to pay Phil. And now with the raise, this is how much we pay him. Yes, you are. Thank you. Well, to get into the giving facts of last year, um, overall, uh, total giving of the church was 180000 which was quite a bit less, about 93% of our budget. Um, so last year was a, was a rough year. We were hoping for a lot, asking for a lot, and we didn't make that. Um, but the good news is almost the entire church is participating. We had a total of 34 families last year participating, and even out of those families, uh, three to four of them were just visitors or one or two-time uh, guests. So overall, still a very good, very good participation within this body. Uh, total spending, because we were not receiving everything we asked or were looking for, we uh, kept spending down as well. So we spent 184000 uh, or 84% of our budget. Our general fund uh, received 115,000, uh, 91% of our budget, and our missions fund received 46,000, uh, almost 47, which was 100% of our budget. Now, the differences between those percentages um, is mainly because people um, designate certain givings. So some people may designate more towards, towards missions, and uh, or more towards general. And that's why some funds actually hit budget and some did not. But in general, if you don't, do not uh, designate your giving, it gets split off, and we'll cover that a little bit later. But our growth fund also hit 86%, and our adoption fund hit 76 So, Under the overall fund balances, uh, we had a deficit in the general fund this past year. Um, we started out at 23000 and uh, ended up at just under fifteen. Uh, with a deficit spending of about $8,700. Uh, growth fund also was a deficit spending. Uh, however, we planned for a much larger deficit spending in growth and just didn't make that. Um, we started out with 53000 and ended up the year at 48. What's the plan that we did The uh, overall plan with the uh, growth fund was remodeling, and we did get some remodeling done. That's a lot of what that... Um, with that spending that we did have, we spent uh, 22000 almost 23000 uh, We did complete the back bathrooms over here and the new sign. Uh, we did not get anything done within the sanctuary or flooring in the foyer or the uh, family room or the front bathrooms. Uh, for that, we really want to have and have asked for before and have not received somebody to come forward and actually manage that. Uh, we're not going to come up and ask anybody in particular we do just if you feel led to be a manager of a construction project and if you want to do something small we can find something small if you want to do something larger we have larger things that we want to get done so if you do want to do that just come forward see one of the elders or see me and we can start planning on that our uh, general fund from last year is uh, that's the church's spending fund Overall, it's a day-to-day -day operating budget. It covers utilities, ministries, uh, payroll, maintenance, and grounds. 
the uh, growth fund is a church savings account. Um, so this thing's worth savings for. We save for the future expansion and purchase and remodeling, and we have quite a bit saved for that and uh, quite a bit available uh, to work on the remodeling. We also saving for a future church plant or for additional staff, the associate pastor or or whatever God leads uh, for the future. And worst case, uh, the growth fund is the emergency savings for general fund. This past year, we did hit um, a point where our general fund was negative, and we had to pull a little bit out of the growth fund. Um, but within the next month, we received uh, some large donations that brought that back into the positive and um, was able to actually not take anything out of the growth fund overall. Yes, dear. It's one lump sum. We don't have subcategories in our growth fund. Um, the adoption fund is a uh, special savings fund where you put a little bit into this every year or every month as people will give. Um, the adoption fund is a special savings fund. It's available to help uh, a family in this church if they are wanting to adopt a child. And the reasoning for that is in Ephesians 1.5 that w- as we are adopted as sons of Christ, um, we know that that uh, principle is there in the scriptures. We want to um, help families that can't have, cannot have children of their own or are looking for adopting and looking for help for that. We want to make sure we have funds available for that. Um, and we do. Limited amount at this time, but in the need, if the need arrives in the future, it, it will be there. Our missions fund is the church's giving fund. So as we give to the church, the church gives um, away also to missions. And different missions we supported this past year was um, TEAM. It's a first-year supporting team, and that was uh, Marcy Weeby and her uh, trip to Japan. Uh, First Love International, um, a long, ongoing support um, in relationship with First Love that we have worked with, and we continue to support them uh, last year and in this future year to come. Uh, Leadership Resources, or LRI, is also a long-term missions that we've been uh, supporting. And as Steve with his trips to uh, India this past year was uh, for uh, TNT, or Training National Trainers. And uh, also this new, this year, in in last December, we had a kiosk in uh, Cherryville Mall that um, we had some members of the church manage and actually go in and, and just talk about God. Uh, right there in the mall during the Christmas time. It was um, actually very well attended. They had some good conversations out of that. So. Looking forward to next year, is uh, here's a budget overview. And with that, I have, if anybody wants it, I had these on the back table if you grabbed it when you came in. If not, you can, if you want a copy of it, raise your hand and, and Colin will pass it out. So raise your hand up high so Colin can see. Go ahead, Colin. And um, this is overall budget. It shows from 2012 to 2015. So it gives the history from the last three years and then what we're looking at for this year. Overall, we are lowering our budget from last year from 195000 to 170, or just under 171000 
Um, reasons for this is that uh, we anticipate lower giving this year. Uh, we did not make last year, and we know some of our large donors have already told us that they have to cut back. Um, so we will, that same way, knowing that we're going to be receiving an extra income, we are trimming back our expenses as well. Our main reason of doing this is um, just plain stewardship, uh, being prepared for a harder time. Overall, the individual uh, funds, our general fund is really uh, staying about the same, trimming back a little bit from 126750 last year to 126480 this year. So we're maintaining the overall spending. Our chief area in um, reductions this year is how much we are setting aside for missions. Um, as the overall goal, we want to be able to still get to a point to where we can um, easily and safely give away 50% of our income. Uh, last year we tried to increase our undesignated giving to 25% and we didn't make that so we're actually trimming back that trimming that down and due to the uh, known decreases we're going to have we're dropping that all the way down to 15% which is the level that we had back in 2013. So um, Overall, the adoption fund at 1% is 1700 and the growth fund at 10% is 17000 Emissions fund at 15% is 256 and our overall general fund at 126 Now, when you give to the church, um, obviously any cash donations are undesignated, um, but any, when you write out your check and you uh, designate funds, um, if you want to designate to any of these funds overall, just within the memo, write what you want to give. If you want to have everything to go to general, just leave general. If you want to split it up, give a percentage. Um, and as we enter those uh, checks and enter those gifts into the, into the church, I'll split it up to those funds. If you leave it nothing, uh, that's undesignated, and it gets split up to those percentages we just uh, sh shown there at the... 74 for general, 15 for missions, 10 for growth, and 1% for um, adoption. So overall on the um, last slide, this is where we're at as of this past month, as of yesterday, actually. So the, um, at the end of January, I know it looked pretty dismal, but we had um, a lot of giving this past February. We had uh, some planned, a, a planned large gift, which the, was, was budgeted for, uh, and that's why the budget was so high as a giving for February. But we also had some very large unplanned gifts that actually brought us up to be actually just above um, budget right now. We're uh, about 105% of our budget, which is first for us to be um, that much where we're at, at this early in the year. Um, but to make budget throughout the rest of the year, just to give you an idea, we expect to have an average of $12,000 a month. Um, and Lord willing, as we proceed, we'll get that. So that's all I have for my presentation. Is there any other questions? So if you do have any other questions, or feel free to uh, contact me. Um, see me? Yes, yes my love. Yes, it is. The, um, as a... Oh, you mean right there? Yeah. 
No, that's not, that's not right. I'll correct that. Thank you. <laughs> that should be 74%. So. That's incorrect also. Well. Nope, you got me. <laughs> yes, Bill. <laughs> no, we did not. It was year before. Yep, that was farms. So just as a quick explanation of this graph, I know it's um, up there and displayed every week, and uh, some people, especially my wife, has said that she needs to study it for longer than what is displayed, uh, just because it, she just doesn't understand it very well. Uh, just as an explanation for that, um, if, you want, if you're just interested in overall how we're doing, just pay on this last column, the blue here, is our budget. And that's the budget of income. Uh, it's not a budget for expenses, it's how much we're expecting for income. Uh, compared to the green line, which is the gross, or sorry, the uh, giving, uh, the actual income, and the yellow line is the expenses. So just overall here, you see that we are in giving slightly ahead of our, our budget and looking well. Our growth is actually, or our expenses, is actually right almost in line with where we're at for um, spending. But because of we, knew, we know that February is, uh, is some large gifts uh, due to some uh, designated things that we know are coming in, our incoming budget reflects that, just so it doesn't look it's like it's skewed throughout the rest of the year. Uh, same thing with general. That's the budget amount and the income and our expenses, and all the way through. So if you actually want to look at one category, you can just look at that group chart or the overall one at the end. And that will give you a, just a quick update. Also at the end of every month, um, or right at the beginning of the new month, I do hand out, such as this handout here is the um, second page was the overall details of last year. In the uh, back, in the, um, on the wall there, in the slots, I have that printed out for every month of where we're at in detailed up to that month. So that's always available uh, for you to grab. Um, on average, only one or two of those disappear in a month. So I know, I know not a lot of people are looking at that. Um, and it's a lot of numbers, and it can be confusing. Um, but if you're interested, I can explain some of that to you um, as, as you wish. So. Anything else? Yes, Judy. What was that? For growth, we haven't spent anything yet this year in growth. So, yep. All right. Thank you. Well, I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. I've allocated myself 15 minutes today. Are we good there, Rich? We got it? You're not. Um, my message this morning is entitled, Off the Top. Now, off the top is one of those English idioms that, that have a bunch of different uh, meanings. Off the top of my head means like without thinking about it. Or first thing comes to mind, that's not what I'm talking about. Off the top 
in a business transaction means that I, I kind of skim off the top and put it in my pocket and then report a lower number or, or give less. That's not, that's not why I'm talking about it. Off the top is a great name for a barbershop. In fact, there's a barbershop or two. It's two locations. One, one, it's off the top barbershop here in Rockford. Any of you go there? None of you. I got the best barbershop in town. My wife has cut my hair since the day we were married. I haven't been there to a barbershop, but off the top. No, no, no. What I mean by off the top is first thing, highest priority, most important. And particularly with respect to giving. Today is whatever financial Sunday. We report what we have. And it's interesting when, when I told Phil I wanted to you know, preach something on giving, he said, well, it's... And I asked him if he'd preach a 15-minute message and then we'd give Ray 20 minutes and I'd preach a 15-minute message. He said, you know, it's good for you, Steve, not to be the one speaking about giving. So I thank you, Phil, for speaking about giving. Um, but I want to talk about giving off the top. Giving first priority. You know, there are many people who give to the Lord's work only when it's convenient, only when it's left over. But the Scripture calls us to give to the Lord in a different way. He gives us to call, He calls us to give off the top. That is, before you spend anything else, give. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. These words come in the context of Solomon's fatherly advice to his son. Look back in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. See, if Solomon's son would but, but remember these things and obey these things, he could look, look, look towards a long life, towards a peaceful life, and a blessed life from both God and man. Look at verse 3. Let not the steadfast love of God and the faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. You follow Philippians 3 and, and Solomon says, you may be blessed. A peaceful life, a long life, a, a profitable life, favor, good success with God. Man, that's my heart for all of you. That's why I pastor, so that you and your life would do well. That God would bless your life. So know that what I'm sharing today comes from a, a fatherly example trying to help you all. Uh, we had an experience recently at, at uh, this Friday conference that we had, this cross-conference, by the way, it's really good. It's very helpful. You can watch those videos online. And um, during the time we're talking on our, our devices with our, our two oldest children who are, who are one in Illinois and one in California, and they're like, hey, what's happening? It was like, you're not watching this, guy." So they got on it, so they're watching it, and we're watching it. And uh, just one of the things that uh, Bidiana Biway talked about was just, if you want to go to the mission field, don't saddle yourself with debt this side of the mission field. And uh, our kids were so appreciative of the things that we taught them over the years, not to, not to spend what you don't have and, and live below your means so that you can have money when you need your money. And they both came back and 
called us wise parents. <laughs> that, was, that was a blessing. Um, when your kids finally get to that point where they look to you and say, oh, I guess, I guess you do have some wisdom. Although you can pray for SR right now, he's, there's an issue that he's got to trust our family wisdom on rather than his own wisdom. If you have details about that, you can talk to Yvonne or me a week later. But, but just to say that just, and, and they're, they're, they're reaping the fruit of that. And I just say, I want to do that as a pastor to all of you. I want your lives to prosper. I mean, nothing delights me more than to see people run and go. Right? I put in the weekly word recently, Becca, your, your uh, article in the paper. It's like, good job. I love it, Nathan, when you, you show your, your trophies at uh, your fencing or, or whatever. And when people win at their soccer games and when the kids are just growing up. And I, I love, you know, the crosses when uh, Alyssa gets married and does things right and they're going well. And I, that's what I want. And I want... But on the other hand, when things go bad, that's distressing to parents, it's distressing to me. So my, my heart here is the same as Solomon's. I want you to be blessed, and a way to do that is off the top. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with new wine. These things have to do with giving. There's a, a command, and there's a blessing. The command is verse 9. The blessing comes in verse 10. The command is to honor the Lord you're giving and the blessing is a life of, of plenty. It goes like this. If you honor the Lord with your wealth, you'll receive a blessing from the hand of God. So let's look at the first command. Here, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. The word translated here, honor, is kaved. Glory, heaviness, weightiness. Give glory to God. You can say this, glorify God with your wealth. Now, that's really easy to understand. It's a simple application of the Shema. Uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And, and that's what God calls us to. And that's with everything that we have. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. That doesn't mean just lips. That means with a life and with all of your wealth. Certainly it speaks about giving. You should give in a way that, that is glorifying to God. Give to the work of God. Give to the church. Give to missions. Give to those in need. Invest it in, in places where God will be honored and glorified. From time to time I get a call from my alma mater. They want to know if I'll make a financial contribution. And it's hard for me because it's a godless place where I went undergrad. Uh, I benefited from my experience there. I had a blast playing sports. Um, learned how to think as I was a physics major, and I, I, I appreciate the friendships, the experiences I had there, but alongside of that, it's an atheistic institution that's trying to persuade me away from Christianity. In fact, I remember going back there one time and my basketball coach said, we really tested you, Steve, didn't we? Really tried to pull you away, but you stayed true to Christ. And that, that's what the coach said to me. About that, his kind of his goal was to take me away from believing this Christianity stuff. So it's hard to to give to that because from professors to coaches, administrative policy, it it's godless, and so it's hard, difficult for me to give there. But where I went to seminary, on the other hand, different story. Everything with God's words, God's word was lifted, God's glory was sought. Professors interested in me. Interested in His Word, interested in God glorifying there. So as you think about investing in institutions or places or missions, evaluate whether it's a good or bad. There, there are many missionaries, very worthy of support, and there are, quite frankly, missionaries who ought to come home and ought not to receive any dollars from us. It's 
hard to discern that, but pray for that. So evaluate your wealth, how to use that. Honor the Lord with your giving. But I, I do believe that verse 9 goes beyond giving. It's talking about your possessions. In fact, that's what the New King James says. Honor the Lord with your possessions. That is, your house, or your car, or your snowblower, your backyard, or your tools, or your fine china, or your books. Use those things for the glory of God. Share your things. Use your things. Give your things to those in need. Spurgeon used to say about his books, books have wings. If you lend a book, you just have given a book, okay? Because they just have wings, they won't be read. Sometimes they'll be read, sometimes they'll be used, sometimes they'll be given on. It's difficult sometimes when you use something that is yours and it it doesn't go so well. I remember, Tim, when we had flocks at your house and... Uh, we, I remember sometime we, we were there. I forget what it was. Whether a kid spooled Kool Aid on your carpet, and I was like, "Oh man, you're like that's okay. That's the cost. This is a flock house. That's what it is." Um, you just, I appreciate how you just gave your house for that, Maggie Weeby. I appreciate you gave Judy a ride yesterday, right? There's just using your car and your time for the glory. Judy's car was down. She emails everybody out. Maggie says, "I'll help you." <laughs> It's using your car, using what you have. That is what, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. Just use your wealth in a right way. Use your dining room table to have people over. Use your fine china that sits in the cabinets you bought, that you had when you were married, that just kind of sits there. Use that to eat off of with your visitors to make them feel special. Use your relationship, your neighbors next door, be given to them, helping them, Whatever. Use all for the glory of God. And this is a picture of the gospel. Jesus said, freely be received, freely give. And if you are one who's free giving of your things, then you just picture that. God has given me everything I need. He's forgiven me my sins. He's, he's given me an adoption in heaven, this inheritance that is unbelievable. Uh, I will be His son someday in His presence. He's given me everything. In fact, we even looked today at, uh, in our prayer meeting, um, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? It's just, he's given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. He gives us all things. And, and everything we have is a gift from God's grace. We've received it from him, so let's live with open hands and honor the Lord with our, our wealth and our treasures. When it comes to your income, I think it talks there, that's what first fruits is talking about. Nine talks about your wealth, your possessions. A, 9B talks about your income that comes in. It was written to an agrarian society. When the harvest came in, they would bring first of their harvest as an offering to the Lord. That's before the rest of the harvest came in. And there's the principle right there that I get my message title this morning, Off the Top. Right? You want to you give first. Don't wait until the end. Don't wait till you see if you have anything over. They didn't give at the end of the harvest. They gave at the beginning of the harvest. Now, obviously, right, that takes some faith, doesn't it? To give first, because how many times you get to the end, maybe you say, oh, I wish I didn't give that because I really need that now. Well, isn't Proverbs 3 all about faith? 5 and 6, look there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. So, so trust the Lord. That's, that's what Solomon is telling his son. Trust the Lord. Give off the top and trust that you're going to be able to make it with less. 
than everything that you have. That's God's way. God's way is to give first. So I encourage you to go God's way. It's not man's way. And yet man's way, verse 7, is wise in our own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Obey Him. Turn away from evil. Give Him off the top. What is His anyway? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Wisdom in man, man's eyes is as I keep it till I have enough and I give when it's convenient. God's ways are you give off the top first and God says, trust me with the rest. And it brings blessing. It brings healing. It brings refreshment. I just think about that. That if you obey the Lord, trust the Lord, He might then grant you the health that you need to be able to make up for the lack. I've heard it said this way, give, save, live. Maybe you've seen that before. Here, here it is, right? Three jars. When, when money comes in, you, you give some, you save some, and then you live on the rest. As a church... We have modeled how to do this. That's what we're trying to do as a church. And now you see us when we're facing financial crisis. What do we do? We're still committed to giving. We're still giving. But you know what? To give 25% of our money away, it's a nice I even prayed. I mean, that's like another staff guy. We're just giving that away. It makes us think. Makes think, is this the, really the best thing to do? But I'm convinced of what we're doing here. And we're modeling 25%. Any of you give 25%? We're modeling it. We're trying to that. I remember we pushed that one year before. We pushed more than that one year. But I'm just saying that 25% is a, is a great place to shoot for. Let's not sell 10%. Let's settle for more. And that's what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to settle for 25. We're trying to go for 50. But you know what? Here. Okay, so we're at the end of the year. We're evaluating. We didn't make it. So what are we doing? Well, we're looking at a budget. Avana is going to cut a lot of our insurance. It's way too high. We're going to cut that down. Save us a lot of money. It's a church. We're looking for other ways to save. We're trying to live within our means. We're cutting back. You know what? We tried. We stretched ourselves. We didn't make it. We're just going to pull back. Priority giving is still a priority. We're going to 15%. And we'll, we'll see if that works. It was suggested that maybe what I'll do is, is, is just let's, let's take in what our budget needs and then give the rest away. And I said, no, 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 no. We've got to give first. And we're saving 10%. How is it we got $50,000 to do remodeling stuff? It's because we just saved 10% each year. 10%, 10%, 10%. All of a sudden, we got this money. The bathrooms are going to get next. And we get that floor taken care of and get some of these walls seemly <laughs> looking good. But we'll do that as the, the money comes in. Let's give off the top. Let's save for the future and let's live on the rest. And so let's, let's work. And there may be um, reasons why you live too much. So we need to work on, on living less. And then honor the Lord. Seek His blessing. That's what verse 10 is. It's the promise of verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So you trust the Lord with your wealth. Give off the top then seek the abundant blessing of God. You say, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Well, you know what? It, it doesn't. But Proverbs 11.24, there's one who gives freely and yet grows all the richer. 
Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So that, that doesn't work. How can one give and give and yet grow richer? And how is it that one, one hoards and saves and keeps and yet's always lacking? There's one reason why that makes sense. God. It makes sense only because of God. Because God looks with favor upon those who honor Him. I mean, think about your life. Think about the worst that can happen. Just kind of physically. right? Your house can burn down. That'd be pretty bad. That hasn't happened to any of us. All right? It may. It's a really bad thing. Your car can be totaled. Your furnace can break. Your pipes can freeze. Your basement can flood. You can be laid off from your job. You may not have another job for months or a year or two. That's a, that's a lot of money that you're losing that you could be getting if you were working. Other things, maybe less disastrous. Maybe you go on vacation and leave your toilet running. You come back, it's like, whatever, another 150 bucks for your, your water that's just been going for two weeks or a week and a half. Or, or maybe on your way out the door, your thermostat's bumped and you come back the coldest of winter and it's 80 degrees in your house. It's been like that for a week. Just raise your, your heating bill about $200. Do you think God can prevent those things from happening? He can. Do you think that He can bring those things if you're not honoring Him? He can. God can bless. God can bless you with a car that just flat out doesn't break down. God can, can give you a lawnmower that works for 25 years. We'll put Gary Weeby out of a job because no one has to come back for new lawnmowers. Right? Just, this thing just keeps going. Like, how does it keep going? I don't know. <laughs> God can keep those things going. God can give you appliances that never fail or, or health that allows you to work or gives you the sales or the jobs that you need. And you think, Peter, how much God can bless you or withhold blessing from you. Right? You need a job next week and He can shower you with whatever, four months of work or He can hold that. And He says, you're going to honor me? Here, I'll give you some work. You're not? I'm going to take that away. No, it's not always a, a, a one-to-one correspondence. Okay, Remember, Proverbs, is um, these aren't promises. This is wisdom to live by. It's the book, General Truths, that work this way. So if your house burns down, don't think I'm going to say, oh, you didn't give off the top. See, 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 see. Or if you're sick, Jeff Woldridge, I'm not going to say, see, you need to give us more. I'm not going to say that. Because it's not a one-to-one correspondence. Sometimes a pastor, I wish there was a one-to-one correspondence, but there's not. There's, it just happens. Okay? God has his reasons, and maybe God is purifying us, refining us. It may be because we haven't honored God. It may be, verses 11 and 12, that we're facing the Lord's discipline. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights, it may be that he's, he's loving us, conforming us more and more to the image of Christ, stretching us financially in a greater way than ever before, and we're finding him totally sufficient and we're going to grow in our faith. It could be that. It could be sin, though. It could be poor financial choices or bad stewardship or things that we're in trouble. I don't know why, but I just know here's a general pattern. Those who are a generous, God loves to prosper. And those who are stingy, he doesn't. So I just encourage you to give off the top. And we as a church just tried to model that. And I think you see and know that, that we just stretched ourselves. We just went out on faith and just said, and I remember that discussion we had about a year ago. How high should we go? Should we go 25%? We said, let's go to 25%. And we went there and it's too much. 
so we're just kind of we're going to take that down. But that's never going to be zero. I'll take a part time job before that goes to zero. And so I just encourage you to live as, as our church does. And as you right, the third principle, right, as God increases your. Uh, what did it say? Somebody, if you get more, don't 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 spend more, but give more. And I just challenge you, you know, if you, if you think about giving more, giving more, just, just see how that goes and trust the Lord with that. And experience the church's problem. Experience the problem of overextending and then having to, having to pull back in your giving. What a, what a good problem that is. All right, my message lasted 20 minutes, so I'm, we're, we're a little over, but we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Right, we're doing every Sunday in Lent here, just preparing up for Easter. So we, we ramp to Easter every Sunday. And just I thought about how to apply this. First of all, freely given, freely receive, freely give. That's it's a gospel. But we serve a giving God. God gave His Son. God gave the best. When you get off the top, you give your best. You, like Malachi. Malachi, the, the people of that age got in trouble because they gave the lime and the crippled, the lame and the crippled and the maimed rather than the best. Remember when he, God said for your offerings it needs to be pure, unblemished male. It's a lamb, unblemished and spotless. Give, give, give the best. Give the first. And our God gave His best. He gave His Son co-equal in the Trinity to us. He gave the, top. He gave the best. He gave right off the top. So we ought to rejoice in that. As I quote already, Romans 8.32 he who did not spare His Son, but He gave Him for us all. He gave for us that we who believe in Him would be made righteous through faith in Him. And Jesus, what did He give? That last night when He was betrayed, He gave His body, He gave His blood. And He symbolized that. And that's what the cup and the, um, the bread represent. It just represents His body and His blood which are given for us. God gave that for us. What a, what a great thing. So, let's pray. Oh, Father, I, I pray, oh God, that we would realize that You are a giving God. God, that You are, are so gracious and kind to give us Jesus. And so, we pray, Lord, as we celebrate the Supper again this morning, that we would look and examine our hearts, examine our lives, that we would be uh, just righteous before You. God, because we are righteous by faith in You. Um, so, Father, would pray for your, your grace and mercy to work in our lives. I pray now, even as we think of celebrating the, the supper, God, stir our hearts in fresh admiration and uh, trust, belief in you. As we eat of this bread and drink this cup, we're going to proclaim your name until you come again. And so, Lord, may we rejoice in proclaiming the name of Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.